Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Welcome to the Quarry. If you've had a rough day, that's okay. If you've had a tough day, that is okay. We're glad that you're here because tonight I'm talking about what to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when you don't know what to do. So I feel in my heart like maybe a lot of you guys are feeling this right now, which is why I'm talking about it. And I feel this in two ways. I think number one, some of you literally don't know what to do. Like you're having some big life decisions coming up. Those of you who are juniors and seniors, and honestly this day, even freshmen and sophomores, there's pressure on you kind of to know what are you doing for school? What are you doing for a job? What are you doing about your education? Are you gonna move out? Are you gonna stay home? There's a lot of really practical life decisions and that can feel really tough. I remember those questions and I don't think anyone at age 18 or 17 or 16 or 15 really knows what they wanna do with their life. I certainly didn't. I was a person who wanted a sound put together so I told people that I had a plan and I did have a plan and I did do the plan. But I really didn't know. I said, well, I'm going to go to school. I'm probably going to get a business degree. So I started that. And then like a year into that, I was like, you know what? Physical therapy is like calling me. So then I switched to a different school. I went to, took physical therapy classes for like one semester. Um, they required us to job shadow. And I had one single day of job shadowing, like three hours, and was like, absolutely not. I'm not going to do this at all. This is horrifying. So I decided not to pursue a medical career, went back to business school, picked marketing just because it sounded better than accounting or, <laughs> I don't know, entrepreneurship. That's definitely not for me. So I was like, hmm, marketing, that sounds like a good time. I got into marketing school and was like, I don't even know what marketing is. I don't even know what they're preparing me for. I got my degree and was still just like, so what do you do, though, if you have a job in marketing? What do you do? I still had a lot of questions. So all that to say, it's okay if you feel like you don't know what to do, but I'm going to give you some tips on that. So practically, I know some of you are facing some big decisions, but then I also had it on my heart. I think some of you are in situations, more than one, I'm not just talking about one or two people, but situations where you, you don't know what to do because it kind of just feels like your life got turned upside down probably through situations out of your control, but you're feeling like, okay, everything is crazy right now. Okay, this really traumatic thing happened, or these people were in my life maybe, and now they're not, or my family was like this, and now it's not, or we were living here, and now we're not. Just dramatic, traumatic life situations that can kind of pile on you and make you feel like you don't know what to do. So I want to speak to both of those groups of people tonight to encourage you that there is an answer. And the first thing I want to encourage you about is that Jesus didn't always know what to do either. Jesus didn't always know what to do either. We see in Luke 6, it says this, verses, uh, oh, sorry, actually, I want to start with John 5, 19, 19 through 20. Jesus is saying this, I tell you the truth, the son, he's talking about himself, I can do nothing by myself. I do only what I see my father doing. So what the father does is what I do. So what I'm inferring from that is that Jesus didn't always know what to do. But he looked at God and that's how he got his plan and saw what he was to do. Throughout Jesus' ministry and his life, we get to see him in really, really human, human times. I know that he was God, but he was also a human. And weirdly, maybe one of my favorite just insights into Jesus' life is how the night before he was crucified, or excuse me, the night that he was arrested, he was in the garden. And he was saying, God, I know what your plan is, but I don't want to do it. 
I see what you've laid before me, and I don't want to do it. He was under physical distress. He was under spiritual distress. It said he was sweating blood. He was going through something really crazy, and he was telling God, I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. But he ends it by saying, it's not what I want, it's what you want, and your will be done. But I love that glimpse into his humanity. Sometimes we think maybe we're sinful or we're bad just because we're saying, well, I, I don't know exactly what to do, or like I know maybe what I'm supposed to do, but it seems really hard and it's not really what I want to do. Jesus felt that way too. That is a human feeling that is common to us all at different times. And we see this as well, Luke 6, 12 and 13 gives us this insight into the situation Jesus was in. It said, one day, soon after a situation, he went up to a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. I don't think you pray to God all night unless you're in a situation where you really need to hear from him, right? We're humans. None of us like to stay up all night and pray. Like, staying up all night and playing video games is one thing. Staying up all night binging something is one thing. You can have snacks. You can have beverages. You can have bathroom breaks. You know, you can keep yourself going. Jesus went up into a mountain, and he prayed all night. That implicates some stress to me. Like, Jesus is going to God saying, hey, we need to talk, and I'm staying here as long as it takes because I really need an answer here. I need to know what to do. And it says this, he stayed up there and prayed all night. And at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and he chose 12 of them to be the apostles. So to me, it looks like he got an answer. If he came off that mountain with the names of 12 guys that he knew were called to accompany him in ministry, then I believe he went up to the mountain and prayed and he came down with the answer that he needed. He was seeking God about something because he needed to know, hey, who do I need to choose to do my life with? Who do I need to choose to do my ministry with? So Jesus is demonstrating to us, hey, you don't always have to know what to do. You don't have to have all the answers. If you're feeling kind of like, ah, things are crazy and I don't know what to do, that's okay. All we have to know how to do is go to God. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And I love that these are modeled by Jesus for us because I struggle with thinking of Jesus as just being completely perfect, which he was sinless, but I tend to see the God part of him more than the man part of him. So it's really encouraging to me. And when I see in the Bible, God revealing the human nature of Jesus to us because it makes me feel <laughs> like I'm not crazy. I'm like, okay, Jesus needs some direction too. So we're talking about what to do when you don't know what to do. I'm going to start by giving you two things to remember. And I'm going to finish with two things to do, okay? Two things to remember and two things to do. And these two things to remember are super, super vital. And really, I'm calling them two things to remember, but really, they're two things that you need to know. Hey, Sammy, look at you up on two feet. Everybody give it up for Sam. Our football hero, team captain, bravely injured on the field. Sam, we love you. We are sorry about your injury, but I'm glad to see you here tonight. See you upright. So two things to remember, but really these are two things to know because I grew up in church. You guys know that. I've been here a long time. So I grew up hearing these things, but I found myself in a place in life where I didn't really believe these things were true for me. The first one is that God wants to help you and give you direction. God wants to help you and give you direction. So we're going to look at this in the Bible, but like I said, I grew up hearing this and I, you know, I, I knew it was true, but... I viewed God's plans for my life as something just completely separate from mine. 
Like he's interested, you know, in my calling, what I'm supposed to do, what my mission is in life. But like today on a Tuesday when I'm having this problem, I didn't think of him as the God who wanted to help me at 3 p.m. on a midweek day when I'm struggling with the decision, right? I knew that he loved me. I knew that he had a plan, but I had to really get it down inside my heart that God wanted to help me and give me direction. And I've got two verses. I didn't give them to the PowerPoint people. You guys can listen. I'm just going to run through them really quickly. The verses we all know, but let's think about these for a second. Jeremiah 29 11 tells us this. God is saying, for I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good and not for disaster and to give you a hope and a future. So we see God has plans for us, which every single one of you in this room could be like, yes, okay, I've heard that verse before. I know God has a plan. But in Proverbs 19, 21, it says this, many are the plans in man's mind, but it's the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. And that's what I struggled with a little bit. I thought that, you know, I've got my plan and I've got God's plan and there's just no intersection in those. You know, and God's plan is really big and it's about this big thing for my life, but I struggled to know, okay, but what about God's plan like Monday through Friday and Sunday after church and God's plan for me at school and God's plan for me at work. I really struggled to connect all that. I struggled to connect what I thought was like God's divine plan with with my actual human life, right? Because none of us are walking in a bubble or living in a dream world. We're living a real life where we have difficulty and hardships and sometimes hit situations where we don't know what to do. But God is saying, I have plans for you. So that part I believed. But here's the part I didn't fully grasp, and it's in Psalms 37, 23. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. He directs my steps and he delights in every detail of my lives. That told me God cares about the things I didn't think he cared about. The situations that I'm struggling in that I thought he was just kind of really big and far away from. No, he wants to direct my steps in those. And that thing that's hard for me on a Wednesday where I feel like I need direction, God is there to direct my steps. And it says he takes delight. He wants to step in when you're disappointed and you don't know what to do. He wants to step in when your plans change or when your family situation got shaken up and you're thinking, okay, I don't know what to do. In that moment, you don't maybe need a word about your calling. You need a word about what to do right now, a word that will bring you peace, a word that will give you joy, a word that will quiet your mind. And God delights in that. That's what he is for. That's why it's a relationship, right? In a good relationship, a good friendship, you can text that person on a hard day. You can call them to go get dinner on a hard day. I used to not view God as a hard day God. I just, I couldn't connect him to the difficulties in my human life and to the things that I thought were insignificant to him. But what is so amazing is that nothing is insignificant to him. He delights in every detail of your life and he wants to direct your steps. If you need to know the steps to take, maybe that's about college or about work, or maybe it's just steps to take to get out of depression or steps to take uh, to break free from something that you've been struggling with or steps to take to find peace and joy. He wants to direct your steps and he takes delight in every detail of your life. So no matter what situation you came into this place tonight and maybe it was on your mind, it was in your heart, it was bugging you, listen, God is the God for that. He's not a Sunday God. He's not a God for the big stuff. He is a God for everyday life. Wasn't there a song something about like he's an everyday God and, and it's an everyday life? I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe I'm going to write a song. 
just kidding. I'm pretty sure I've heard that from like Bethel or somebody that, you know, somebody just saying that out. And it's just so true. God is an everyday God. Now he's, he's bigger. He's not everyday in his power. I don't mean to water him down and make him sound human or mundane, but his power and his expertise and his direction and love and peace is for your everyday life. So that's the first thing. Listen, if you struggle to believe that, you need to tell yourself that. I had to start encouraging myself. I've talked to you guys a lot of times about my journeys in the car when I'm struggling with something and I just got to talk to myself. You know, when I've talked to you guys about how I was struggling to forgive, I would get in the car every day and say, God, I forgive that person. <laughs> I know that you love them, so I also love them. You know, things like that. Well, I also had to get in my car and say things like this, God, I know that you love me, and I know that you care about me, and I know that you're going to help me today. I used to believe God would help me for my calling, but I didn't really believe he would help me for today when I'm dealing with at 726 on a Wednesday right now, and he will. So I began with my words just to invite him in. God, I know that you're for me today. I know that you're with me today. I know that you're in me today. I know that you're going to help me today. I know that you're going to give me peace today, and the more that I let those words come out of my mouth, the more I believe them. And that's why I can stand here today in confidence that no matter what happens in life, I'm going to be okay. Even if I was in a crazy situation and it ended up just being me somewhere all alone, I'm going to be okay because I know that God loves me and takes care of me. But I didn't feel that way a decade ago. And I didn't feel that way 15 years ago. I had to get that truth in my heart. And I did that by speaking it out loud to myself. So if you struggle to believe this, I want to encourage you to start talking to yourself about it. I know that God is for me. I know that God helps me. I know that God delights in every detail of my life and he directs my steps. When you start to say those things out loud, you're allowing them to really get in your heart where you can believe them. So that's the first thing I want you to know and remember, God wants to help you and give you direction. The second thing was huge for me and I believe it is for you guys too. Number two, you can hear God's voice. You need to know and remember that you can hear God's voice. I used to be that person that really thought I couldn't hear God's voice. I thought other people could, but I thought it just doesn't work for me. I don't know. Sometimes I think I hear him a little bit at camp. Sometimes I think I feel him a little bit when we have a worship night at church, you know. Sometimes I think maybe something, but overall, I did not feel like I could go to God, talk to him about something, and then hear an answer. I really felt like I could not hear God's voice, and that's not true. The Bible says in John 27, it says this, My sheep listen to my voice, and other translations say hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. This is a really simple truth that just says, if you are a Christian, if you have invited Jesus to come live inside of you, make you a new person, you're in God's family now, you can hear God's voice. You can hear God's voice. And I know this seems elementary, but so many people, not just your age, adults talk to me and they are struggling because they don't feel like they can hear God's voice. And I think one of the big roadblocks to that is people just don't believe that they can in their heart. This was another one where I had to start saying out of my mouth, I know the voice of my shepherd and the voice of a stranger I'm not going to follow. And when we were growing up, my parents gave us um, uh, Cook Family Confessions is what they were called. So 
was basically a list of scriptures that we quoted every day. So I actually grew up saying this exact thing. I know the voice of the shepherd and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. I know the voice of a shepherd and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. I know the voice of the shepherd and the voice of the stranger I will not follow. Well, it was kind of funny because as I got older, I was not saying those Cook family confessions every day, you know. And uh, right around the time that I was struggling, just really being like, I can't hear God's voice. I'm really frustrated. I'm going to try this God thing with everything I got. I'm going to really try it. And if it doesn't work, we're going to find a plan B here. Because I was frustrated. I was living a Christian life and going to church, but not hearing God's voice. And that's really frustrating because that's not the way we're meant to live. If you're a Christian and you're not hearing God's voice, I understand exactly why you're frustrated because you're missing a key thing that you were made for. We were made to hear God's voice. So it's frustrating when you're not. So I felt like that, but this is kind of comical. Just one of the things I remember doing at that time is I had gone through this basket of papers and different things from church and I found the Cook family confessions again. So I started to say them again because I was trying to jumpstart myself spiritually. And one of those things was I know the voice of the shepherd and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. And I really began to say that and say that to myself, just like I was talking about God being for me, God directing my steps, God having a good plan for me. I began to say, God, you're my father, you're my shepherd, and I can hear your voice. I can hear your voice. I was made to hear your voice. I was created to hear your voice. You literally formed me as a person with a spirit, put me in the earth, and one of my primary purposes here is to hear you speak. I can do it. I can hear God speak because you have to believe that in your heart. Once I started moving toward that, God started speaking to me right and left. It was a piece of cake. It came out of nowhere, and I was shook. I was like, I can hear God. Wow. I, I mean, really, because I, I just thought it would be difficult. I don't know what I thought. I wasn't thinking right. But the devil really, really was able to hold me back for such a long time just because I, I really didn't believe I could hear God speak. So that's what I want to say to you tonight. You can hear God speak. God created you, and he made you a being that can hear him perfectly. You can hear God speak. That's literally what you were designed to do. You can hear God you can. And the Bible says this, again, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So we're back to direction again. Not only can I hear God's voice, but he's going to tell me things that I can follow that will get me to where I need to be. If I'm struggling in depression and anxiety today, I need to hear his voice and then follow it to get out of that. God will lead you out of things and lead you into things when you listen to him and then follow. But it all starts with believing, hey, God is my shepherd and I know his voice. I hear his voice and I know his voice. That way he can lead me out of things that are difficult and he can lead me into the things he's called me to do. And I'm making it sound simple, but I want to encourage you. That's because it is. Life is not always easy, but following God is. There have been times where he did ask me to do things that I didn't want to do. That's true. And maybe in those moments, it felt like it was a little bit hard to do that. Maybe it was hard to forgive somebody or hard to talk to somebody about this or, or hard to, to do this, make this choice, make that choice. So I'm not saying that things don't ever feel a little difficult, but God has set up this system so easy because he loves you. He is not trying to have you wander around not being able to hear from him. He 
loves you and he made you to hear from him so you can hear his voice. Those are the two things I want you to know. And remember, God wants to help you and give you direction and you can hear God's voice. Even if you never have before, you can, you were made to. So those are two things I want you to remember and those are gonna set us up for the two things I want you to do, okay? When you don't know what to do, these are two things that I'm gonna recommend doing tonight. Number one, pray in tongues, period. Number one, pray in tongues, period. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says this, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So I'm gonna get a little schoolish on you guys for a second, and I'm sorry, because I know you were already at school today, but it's gonna be easy and it's gonna be encouraging, okay? I'm gonna give you the definition of one word. Most of you guys know the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. So the New Testament, this verse in 1 Corinthians was written in Greek, and it has the word mysteries. That's what we put it into when we are putting it into English. They translated it from Greek to English, so they're saying, okay, when you're praying in tongues, you're talking to God and you're speaking mysteries. Okay, that sounds weird and not very helpful. So if we look at the word mysteries, though, the Greek word, and look at the definition of that, it says this, the counsels of God once hidden but now revealed. The counsels of God once hidden but now revealed. I can get counsel from God on anything in any situation by praying in tongues. People struggle sometimes to pray in tongues because it's a little bit weird, not weird, but it's a different feeling for your mind when you're speaking words that you can't understand, right? No one in here would probably raise their hand and be like, I think praying in tongues is the funnest thing in the world, right? Because it doesn't always feel fun to our mind, feel fun to our body, because we're speaking words and we don't know what we're saying, right? It's a little bit of a different experience. That's what praying in tongues is. It's a different language that we're using to speak directly to God out of our spirit. So I understand that. But I struggled with that because I would feel like I prayed in tongues and it didn't do anything. Like I didn't know what I was saying. I don't feel any better. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But also praying in tongues for like 30 seconds or it's like two minutes, however long I could concentrate, which wasn't very long. And then being like, nah, that didn't do much. But I was failing to bring myself to the truth of this. When we pray in tongues, we speak in the spirit. We're accessing the counsels of God that were once hidden and now revealed. So if you need God to reveal direction to you, if you don't know what to do and you need him to show you, you need to pray in tongues. That is exactly what you're doing. It says in the spirit, he speaks mysteries or he's speaking out the counsels of God that were once hidden, but now revealed. God wants to reveal that stuff to you and he's gonna do it when you take the time to pray in tongues. And that's the key word is time. That's what I was missing. I wasn't taking the time. And I found out I didn't need to take hours. I just needed to take five minutes here and 10 minutes there and 10 minutes here when I could and a couple minutes here when I could and talk to God and pray in tongues throughout my day. And when I started to do that, he started to speak to me and it was just shocking to me. I'm not kidding when I tell you guys I was shook. He would talk to me about myself. He would talk to me about other people. He would tell me to text people and encourage them and I would do that and they would text me back and say like, oh my gosh, I was having such a hard day or like, wow, that scripture you gave me was just what I needed to hear. I wasn't doing that in my own strength. God was doing that stuff through me and I was shocked <laughs> and so amazed. But what was happening? God was revealing things to me that were hidden, but he was bringing that counsel to light. It was counsel for myself and counsel for other people too. And another definition I wanna talk to you about of that word mystery says this. Uh, it says the secret counsels which govern God in dealing with the righteous 
which are hidden from the ungodly and wicked men, but plain to the godly. And I know that's a little bit of old English, but I want to bring to your attention here that this is an advantage that you have that other people don't. We as Christians have an advantage to be able to get counsel that is just for those of us who know God. Now, God wants to bring everyone into his family, and he wants to give everyone that advantage. But listen, when you see people around you struggling, you don't have to struggle like other people. You have an advantage that they don't have. You have an ability that they don't have, and that is the ability to go to God, to pray in tongues in a language that he understands, and you can pray out the counsel that you need for that situation. That is an honor and a privilege and an amazing asset that people in this world don't have. God has given that to us, his church. He sent the Holy Spirit as a gift to us. Jesus was our savior and the Holy Spirit is a gift. God gave the Holy Ghost to us so that we can have an advantage to know what to do in every situation because all we have to do is pray and get God's counsel on it. It just takes time. It just takes time. And I'm sure every generation struggled with this, but it seems like our generation struggles the most with what we do with our time, right? I've been very transparent about I had to mostly get rid of social media because I don't have the self-control to not spend too much time on there. I don't, and my life is too important to me to waste three hours on Instagram. Doing what? <laughs> doing nothing good. You know, I'm not doing anything bad, but it didn't help my life at all. It's so silly. We can watch Netflix for hours and hours, right? Back in the day, if you liked a TV show, you could watch it once a week when the new episode came out, and that was it. 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it was, and you're done for six more days until the next episode. We've never lived in a generation before where we have so many opportunities to waste hours. So you're going to have to do what it takes to find the time. Take the time. One thing that's helpful for me with my time is getting out of the house. I pray a lot in my car. I can pray in coffee shops and that's fine. I can pray outside. I can pray in parks. But those are the, the places where it's easiest for me to take time that's undistracted. I can set my phone down somewhere else, put it screen down, not look at it, not hear it. And I can take the time to pray in tongues and get God's counsel on a situation all by just taking the time. It's easy, but you'll have to take the time to do it. It's easy and it just takes time. But I loved those definitions of the word mysteries, the counsels of God that were hidden but now revealed, and they're hidden from the ungodly and wicked, but they're plain to the godly. God wants to make your help really plain to you. And I know that this is not an earth-shattering tip that I'm saying what to do when you don't know what to do, pray in tongues, but... It's what we're not doing that's keeping us out of what we need, right? If you guys were doing everything right, and if I was doing everything right, I wouldn't be in a situation where I didn't know what to do. So if we're facing these things, okay, clearly there's something we're not doing wrong or not doing right, and I believe it's that we're just not taking the time to get with God and to pray. God can meet your needs in such a real way. That was another thing I struggled to understand growing up. I thought God was for the big things. I didn't know how to receive God just to help me when I was upset. I didn't know how to receive God just on a stressful day and get help from him. God delights in every detail of your life. You just need to take the time to pray and to pray in the spirit. Praying in the spirit is literally praying in a different language than English, right? There are people who are like, well, I pray. You know, I don't pray in tongues. I'm not sure about that. I pray in English. That's totally fine. Praying in English is great. I do that a whole lot too. But when I pray in English, I'm limited by my mind, right? We talk 
because we have a brain. <laughs> we, our words are coming from our mind. So when I'm praying and I'm bringing words to God and I'm trying to pray about a situation, I'm limited by what my mind could think to pray, right? I can maybe think some things to pray. Okay, God, I, I want this. I need this. I want help with this. Uh, maybe if we know enough, we can take a scripture and say, God, in your word, it says this, so I'm going to pray this. All of that is great. But you guys know there are situations that you get in that you don't know how to pray about, right? Am I, I don't have English words. This situation is really difficult. I don't know what to pray. My prayer is just like, I need help. But that's not much of a prayer. Or if I'm praying for a friend who's going through something really difficult, I don't always know the words to say to them or to pray about them. That's why praying in tongues has to be brought together with just praying in English because praying in tongues allows me to pray in a way that's unlimited by my mind. I have no constraints by just what my brain can do or my language can do or what my thoughts can do. Praying in tongues is an unlimited way to pray, an unhindered way to pray. And I'm praying out God's counsel. I'm not going to pray out God's counsel out of my mind, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I pray in English a lot. I'm not saying don't pray in English. I have a lot of English prayers. I talk to God all the time, just like I'm talking to you. But when I really need to pray about a situation, God's counsel and God's answers and God's direction are not going to come from my mind. They're going to come from him. So when I really need that, I'm going to pray in tongues. Or when I'm praying for a person that just needs support right now and, and I really don't know how to pray for them, maybe you're exactly what they need, I'm going to pray in tongues. God's counsel for them, prayers for them that are unhindered by just what I can come up with in my brain, which is amazing. God has made a way for us to rise above our human limitations, right? We're human and he knows that. We, there is an end to what we can do and he knows that in our own strength. But when we pray in tongues, the gift that he's given us, we're able to rise above those human limitations. That's why I was listening to this old, old Hillsong song today and it's got um, words in it from a psalm that says, um, when the oceans rise and the thunders roll, I'll soar with you above it all. And I just love that image, imagery that there can be storms going on in your life. There can be crazy things happening, but you don't have to be under that storm getting destroyed. You can be above it. Well, how can we do that? By taking advantage of the gifts God has given us that allow us to rise above those human limitations. When I pray in tongues, it literally has done that for me, brought me above situations so that I'm going through them, but I'm not being damaged by them. They're happening around me, but I'm not stuck under the weight of them. There's a way to get above it. And that is through praying in tongues, my spirit talking to God and getting the counsel that I need. So please pray in tongues. If there's anything I would love for you guys to go home and do after this message, just take time to pray in tongues. And I know I talk about it a lot, but I try and make it really practical. When I started doing this, I literally just did it as much as I could. And it, I'm not kidding you. It was two and three minutes here and two and three minutes there, right? Two or three minutes in the shower, five or 10 minutes in the car, a couple minutes on my lunch break, a couple minutes driving home. It, it doesn't take hours, okay? But just taking some time to do that will allow you to hear God's counsel for direction for what you need. And it changed my life in a dramatic way in a short amount of time. It was incredible. So that's the first thing I want you to do. When you don't know what to do, pray in tongues. The second thing, and we'll close after this point, is don't go until you know. And I don't think I came up with that phrase, but I couldn't figure out where it came from. <laughs> but don't go until you know. Here's what I'm meaning by that. Don't make life-altering decisions until you're sure, right? 
don't make life-altering decisions until you're sure. Now, when I used to kind of grow up struggling with this a little bit because, you know, I, I knew we needed to hear from God for things. But sometimes I was thinking I needed to hear from God, you know, I don't know. Like they told a story in church one time where somebody was driving home and they were taking their normal route home and they felt God told them to go like a different way home. So they switched and went a different way home. And when they got home, they saw in the news there had been like a deadly car accident along their normal route. So it's an encouraging story, but I took that in my brain and was like, oh my gosh, like I better hear God for every decision or I could be in a deadly car accident. <laughs> like, I, of course, I took this in a way and like, you know, <laughs> turned it into an anxious thing, which is ridiculous. Not what that story was meant to do. So literally I used to be like, don't go until you know, like which way do I need to drive home from work, right? I would get hung up on these things. Which, what should I do about this? What should I do about that? Where should I go for this? You know, and some of those things were big things, uh, but I told you guys, I started college studying one thing. I switched and studied another for like a second and then hated it and then switched back to the original thing. So I don't want to give you guys this point to stress you out because realize that you can always change your decision, right? I was encouraging some people with this recently. Like if you're walking along God's path for your life, let's just pretend, and you're coming up to a decision you need to make and you're struggling to know a little bit, you know, go where you think you have peace. And if you begin to step off a little bit, you'll lose your peace and you'll know and you could just step right back on, okay? So you don't need to get hung up or stressed out over this like I did. I was very stressed about this point for many years of my life. Sometimes I still can be because I didn't want to make the wrong decision. But I did find there were times when I, I wasn't sure and I began to make a decision and I would immediately know it was wrong. Maybe when I started stepping that way and taking steps towards it. So, okay, that's a sign. Step back on the path. No problem. And there were other times when I was like, I don't know, 100%, you know, but I, I went the direction I thought I had peace in. And I followed it and I continued to have peace. So, that was the right direction. So, I want to keep this simple for you. But I do want to say, with life-altering decisions, don't make them until you're sure you have direction from God that you need. And we see this in Exodus 33. 14 through 16. I'm sorry, you guys. I think I sent you 4 through 16, which is a huge passage. So I can just read it. I only need 14 through 16. It says this. God is talking to Moses, I believe, and he's saying, God said, my presence will go with you, and I'll see the journey to the end. So Moses said, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this trip off right now. How else will it be known that you're with me in this and that me and and with me and your people, excuse me. Are you traveling with us or not? How else will we know that we're special, I and your people, among all other people on planet Earth? So Moses was saying something that needs to really be our heart to God too, saying, God, if you're not going with me in this decision, I don't want to go. He was kind of saying the same thing Jesus was saying when he was praying in the garden. I'm going to do your plan. I don't want to do this without you. I don't want to make a decision that you're not in. So here's what I'm talking about with this stuff. I'm not talking about praying over where to go for lunch every day or anything like that. You know, but I am talking about things like making permanent decisions. Like who are you going to marry, right? What school are you going to go to? Are you going to move away? Or are you going to stay home? Uh, and it can be things like what job to take or not to take. But just don't 
make decisions until you know. And here's why I'm bringing this up, because we don't have to make decisions not knowing. We have the ability to know. So just take a moment to slow down and get advice from God. And what I see about people your age, and I feel for you, because I'm a people pleaser, so I do not like when like 75 people give me their input on my life. It can be really confusing for me, and it can make me feel pulled in a lot of directions and, and feel like it puts a lot of pressure on me. But you guys are in a position right now and at places in life where you have a lot of people who are giving suggestions about what you should do with your life. And they mean well. I believe they're trying to help you. But teachers and counselors and parents and friends and family members, everybody's like, oh, you should be so good at this, right? You would be great at this. Or, hey, I'm going to school here. You should come with me. It'll be really fun. Or, you know what? You seem like you're, you're really smart in this area. Maybe you need to pursue this as an education. You have a lot of voices. And I'm here to remind you that your direction and your plan and your steps are coming just from one place, and that's God. And he'll use people to speak into your life, people who are spiritual and who love you and who know you, but not everybody in your life is someone that you need to take direction from. So when I say don't know until you go, I'm saying don't make permanent decisions on input from other people when you haven't had confirmation from God. Your direction comes from him, and I don't ever have to be in a situation where I'm making a decision not knowing if God is in it with me. And I told you, I still feel that way at times. There are things that are smaller decisions in my life that it's like, okay, should I do this? Should I do that? I'll start to move in the direction that I feel like I have peace in. And if that peace leaves, then I know, okay, step back, I'm going the wrong way. Other times I move in the direction of my peace and I can follow it through because, uh, you know, it was right and I was hearing God's leading. So I'm not saying that God literally has to speak to you verbatim about every detail of your life. But when it comes to the big decisions and things you're stressing over, things that are life-changing or things that are really going to impact you, you. Don't go until you know because there's no reason to. We have the advantage of having the Holy Spirit, of knowing God, a God who has plans for us and who's interested in every detail of our lives so we don't have to make decisions with question marks over our head. We don't have to move through life shaky. And for those of you who do get like a little scared about this, if there's anyone like me in the room like, oh, I don't want to make a wrong decision, I would say to you, if you really feel that intensely about it, your heart is right. So take a deep breath, you know. Know, the people who are usually like, oh, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to make the wrong decision. I don't want to, you know, get out of God's plan. Your heart's right. You're committed to the plan of God. So I would just take a deep breath and say, you know what? I know God. He's my father. I can hear his voice and I'm following his leading. I can hear my direction from him and encourage yourself along those lines because you can. But if you evaluate yourself and you know you're somebody else who tends to be a little bit more of somebody bent to pursuing your own plans or maybe you're like me, you're a little bit of a people pleaser so you can get kind of muddied up in the suggestions of other people saying, well, I love this person and I respect them and they told me I should do this. Should I, should I do that? I don't know. Then take the time to hear from God. It does all come back to time. It's easy, but it just takes time. So when you don't know what to do, I want you to remember that God wants to help you and give you direction. He delights in every detail of your life. You can hear his voice. You were literally made to. You're his children. You're his family. And when you don't know what to do, you need to pray in tongues. Take the time. 
Get God's counsel that's available to you, that advantage, and don't go until you know there is no reason to rush things when you can just spend a little extra time getting the direction from God that you need because there's things we can work out on our own, but they'll be really hard. I've done that, done it that way. And then there's been times where I've just been patient and I've just waited on God. And you know what? I didn't have to force my way into any opportunities. He opened the door for me and he brought me in because I took the time just to wait until he moved me into where I needed to be. So I hope this, this was helpful tonight. I did want to say before we leave, uh, we talked a lot about praying in tongues. And if you don't pray in tongues or you have questions about praying in tongues, you're welcome to ask me about those. Or if you're not comfortable talking to me, you can talk to another leader that you're a little bit closer with. Praying in tongues is awesome. Don't let anyone fool you into thinking it's weird, scary, creepy, bizarre. I don't even know. There's all kinds of stuff. Praying in tongues doesn't mean you drink poison. Praying in tongues doesn't mean you handle snakes. Praying in tongues doesn't mean you have to run around your church screaming in tongues loudly. I've never done that. <laughs> Praying in tongues is a tool, it's a gift, and it's an advantage. So if you have questions about it, I would love to talk to you. The other thing, I'll let you guys know, I'm never trying to neglect anyone's birthday. I don't usually know any of your all's birthdays, but I don't even know if, is, is Madeline here still? Okay, she's back there. Everybody just wave at Madeline. Today's her birthday. I just happen to know. So I'm not going to sing. No one wants that. But happy birthday, Madeline. Make sure you guys sell her. And make sure you guys attend Tilla's fall party. The food will be amazing. And the fun will just be incredible. So dreamy. So I'm going to pray for you guys tonight. Father, we're so grateful that even when we feel like we don't know what to do, that there's help that's readily available to us, Father. We're so grateful that you are interested in the details of our lives, that you love us, and that you're not just a God who cares about the big things, but you're a God who is involved in the small things, Father, the things that we deal with every day. We're so grateful for that kind of love and care that we get from you. And I just pray for every person in the room, Father, that you would begin to speak to them in a new way as they seek you, Father, that you would just move in their life, Father, make yourself Real to them in a new way, Father, and I thank you for just your heart for the people in this room, Father, that they're not going through this alone, that you want to speak to them, you want to guide their steps, you want to give them direction, and if they're in a situation where they feel like this needs to happen, Father, I know that you're ready to put their life back together and bring peace to their heart and peace to their mind, so I just speak that over every person in this room, Father. We're grateful for your word and the help that you've given us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media. 